0: It's always a technical issue once we start. It is always. This is why we do a 10 minute setup. Uh,
1: yes, I arrived 20 minutes early, which is quite rare for me, so
0: I, I will say I'm very proud.
1: Thank you, thank you. I, it's for you. I did it for you. Martin. I
0: I know. I I can feel it in my
1: <laughs> You feel the love. I feel the love. <laughs>
0: This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today I've got my special guest and friend all the way in Perth, Julia Thompson. Hello, Julia.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.
0: Um, I've got a first question because it always sounds like an obvious question, but Julia, tell, tell everyone on the internet who you are and what you do.
1: Who am I? Well... I feel like this is honestly like an Alcoholics Anonymous. If it's like, hi, I'm Julia. Hi, Julia. Um, well, I am a, I'm an actor, mm. an out-of-work actor at the moment, as I'm sure probably a lot of entertainers are at the moment. Um, but, yeah, so I studied acting in Sydney and then uh, did that for a few years and then obviously COVID hit and had to put that on hold for a little bit, but I'm still obviously trying to... Act the fool wherever I can, um, as you witnessed before. But yeah, I'm also doing a little bit of art on the side, so um, like visual arts, doing a little bit, a uh, little bit of painting, uh, drawing, and I do commissions as well. So if you're interested,
0: wow! So you're kind of like a, you're an all rounder <laughs> in a lot of different creative ways.
1: I'm trying to be uh it's kind of that um got a lot of skills but a master of none so I'm kind of just doing a little bit of everything at the yeah. moment but um loving it loving it.
0: Yeah so cuz what what was the decision was it covid related to stay in Perth? Yeah
1: well ob- obviously um I don't know if you know but I moved from uh, to Sydney from Perth actually so I went to study that yeah and then mental health kind of covid related sort of stuff and then I moved back with my family. And um, yeah, that was a huge help. Just being around family, I think, during the COVID breakdown was really, really important for me. So yeah, yeah, that's why I had to come back.
0: I mean, that's great because I feel like I, I don't know. It's particularly our our generation has that mental health awareness. Yeah. More more so than probably our parents' generation did.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're really lucky. There's especially since COVID has kind of interrupted our whole lifestyles. There's so many new um, avenues that we can get help with, and I think a lot of people and establishments are super understanding about that. Yeah, which is really great. Yeah, so it's actually they're taking it seriously, which is what we should be doing. So that's good. for
0: For the reason behind um behind that, what was what were the things that like when you moved? were contributing factors like obviously covid was it just kind of like circumstantial mental health or was it continue like genetic mental health where you knew like it was f- genetically in- induced
1: probably a bit of both um mm. no i've been i've had depression and anxiety for a little like for quite a few years yeah um but then yeah during covid i think cuz i didn't have any family in sydney i just kind of moved by myself i was like I'm going to do this, I'm yeah. going to be a movie star, see you later. And then, yeah, so I had no kind of support and, um, at you know, it was fine for a time but then I had a couple, like my sister was pregnant and I had a couple of family members pass away. So, And then obviously because you can't travel, you can't go there, you can't see them, you can't say goodbye. So kind of that just kind of piled on and the fact that I had booked tickets to go back to see my family a number of times and obviously they get cancelled you know that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it was just piling on, and then it kind of exploded, and I was like, "I'm out of here." So, and plus, my sister was having a baby, so I had to oh. see the little baby. Oh, <laughs> I oh, don't you love little babies? They're so cute. I know. I, lo- I love it. Um,
0: so I like. I'm. I'm. The moment I hit thirty, it was suddenly like baby fever. I think it's clearly. Like-
1: I know. I have baby fever, but like in an aunt way. so yeah. Let me hold it for two hours, and you can have her back.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> love
1: her to bits, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's like in my entirety of can't wait for my brother and his wife to have kids because it's suddenly like, ah, oh, just give it to me. But um, my partner and I, we're both sort of kid centric, so I at some point we're gonna have kids. Good. And I think the thing we've we've already had that discussion of what kind of environment. We want to bring the kids up in because like Mm, here in in our household, um, we grew up in very kind of like a bit controversial and a bit like uncontroversial like households, but our household is very like artsy, queer, very sort of like vibrant. So we kind of want to make... Expressive. Yeah. We want to really kind of bring a child into that happy-go-lucky, do whatever you want, kind of be free. To How
1: long do you reckon you'll wait after, like, pandemic vibes? <laughs> Probably not. I feel like people having pandemic babies, like, I put my hands up to them. Like, yeah. it must be incredibly difficult.
0: Yeah. I mean, like... But
1: imagine I, growing up as well.
0: I, I, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like talking about, like, medical things, like, I recently had to go and have surgery, and it, it, that was elective surgery. And even then, like, the public system is so far being able to serve elective surgery, you may as yeah. well just go private all the way.
1: Yeah, I've heard that. COVID
0: is like slaughtering the public sector. And it's, it's a shame because the resources are there for us. Mm. Like they're for, there for everyone, but there's just no room, unfortunately, in hospitals anymore yeah. because of the pandemic. And at the moment, like, you know, it's interesting because I feel like the state vibe nowadays is kind of very divided. Mm. Like it's, I feel like the political turn point.
1: in everything in
0: everything is so divided, and I think that no premier has really handled it fantastically. I think mm. um, it's a, it's kind of a it's kind of a I've touched on it so many times, but I feel like it's kind of a joke when it comes to just kudos to everyone who's actually done okay during the pandemic because you know obviously as you say we can't travel we can't go anywhere, but then there's also the side of okay, well, politicians should actually be helping one another rather than just pointing fingers.
1: Exactly, at a competition like it always is. Yeah.
0: And I mean, like, it's funny because, like, I follow every state premier and I think that it's the irony of Mark McGowan, you know, the WA premier, Mm. keeping, you know, like, just blanket wiping. And the same with Anastasia Palagay, blanket wiping that they would never get covid is is completely silly because it's like... It's a, just
1: naive. It's ignorant and naive, yeah. Yeah,
0: a virus doesn't stop at a border and go, mm, I won't cross. Like, it doesn't... It's not sentient. It does... It's livable via completely different means. And then I think that attitude as well, because of our New South Wales go- government as well as the Liberal government, and, you know, like the entire federal government have done nothing to benefit... Mm. Other than just go the job keeper system, that's it, yeah. which worked great for a while.
1: Now it doesn't. Yeah, but they haven't reassessed. They haven't no. kind of or fast enough anyway. But no,
0: I mean you know yeah. because then it's then, a whole
1: other issue in itself.
0: Yeah, because then there's artists like us, like you or I, who are going. Well, we need.
1: We're entertainers. What do we do? Yeah. What do like... we do? Yeah. Because
0: was that was that a huge like. Was that a huge kind of struggle for you to go back to home and sort of like reassert yourself or was it quite easy?
1: Oh no, honestly it was it was a huge kind of existential crisis because I was thinking now like I've moved out of home to follow my dreams this is finally I'm doing it. Yeah. And not I didn't feel like a failure as such but I'm going back home when I didn't like I I not that I wouldn't want to live back in Perth, but Sydney was my home. You know, I'd yeah. made it mine without my parents. I'd kind of established myself. I've established myself in the community, in the acting community. I had friends. Um, so just kind of coming back home was just kind of starting again for me. Yeah, and that was a little bit disappointing. However, you know, I realized what What am I going to do? I can't just stay there, and all I can do is reassess and rebuild from there. And I think. Yeah, even though I haven't been doing acting as a job recently, it's still something like I haven't given up. It's still something that's in the back of my head every single day. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still looking at agencies. I'm still learning monologues. I'm still, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. as long as I'm not giving up the hope, but that's sort of w- what I thought it would be. I thought I'd kind of go into a d- depressive spiral being like, I'm giving up my dreams. But um, it's all about the attitude, hey? Yeah. So as long as I can keep that, then... Holding on.
0: Yeah, because I mean, like you, it, it's interesting because Eileen, as artists, and especially as like, you know, the the idea of how women to represent ourselves these days is vastly mm. different to say ten years ago. Even when you know,
1: one hundred percent. Yeah, like
0: they they're more looking for people who are themselves rather than people who yeah. are the top tier model. Esque.
1: Yeah, it's it's the most the most different, the more unique, more yeah. than what fits a certain mold. And yeah, that's that's what I love about you know the ever changing cultural aspect of, of this sort of stuff is like, even the acting roles that I've been looking at and that I've been seeing advertised, it's like, they're looking for people with tattoos. They're looking for queer people. They're looking for people with, you know, outstanding fashion. And that's like, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it's just incredible to see that.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, like, you know, the, the one thing that prominently shows on your social media is like the fact that one, you're queer. Two, you're very kind of like different to most people. You'll represent yourself very clearly to who you are. Oh,
1: a- thank you. And what
0: kind of like... <laughs>
1: that's nice to hear. Well, I mean,
0: like, I think that's positive because it makes you more like, one, it makes you very easy to relate to because, mm-hmm. you know, people people younger than us will look at that and go, okay, well, there's someone confident. Whether or not you actually re- <laughs> realize that as an individual, yeah. you were like, oh, okay, cool. But I mean, like,
1: (laughs) no, it is. It's cool here.
0: Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very interesting because I feel like back in the day, you know, like back in 2000 or 2010, that would have never been the case. Like, I, social media has really, like, even Instagram, I remember in high school, which, you know, going back 2009, I remember looking at and going, this is a load of crap. Like, who yeah. uses this? <laughs> yeah. And
1: to be honest, I was that person to like tell everyone to get it. I was <laughs> like, oh my god, look at this app! I created an account. All you have to do is this, and I literally used to like create all my friends' accounts just so I could <laughs> follow people on there. I was one of those people, I must admit.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um... I was an advocate. <laughs> because when it, when you grew up was was Perth very accepting of like who you were growing up especially with your queer identity no
1: not at all I mean I I actually did three years of high school in South Africa so I moved back there oh wow even yeah even there it's even less... What do you, um, progressive. Yeah. Um, but I didn't come out until after high school. Mm. Um, I had heaps of gay friends who had been bullied out of school simply because they were gay. Um, I mean, my parents were never, you know, openly against gay people. So I always, I wasn't exactly scared to come out to them, but just didn't know where their expectations were at. And yeah. like, they'd always talk about, Oh, when are you going to have a boyfriend? And You know what I mean? It's just, it's just the uncharted waters. Um, but no, it wasn't as easy as yeah. it as it is now. I see heaps of people in high school who are out and who are like, you know, going to gay clubs and gay parties and stuff like that. that would that would never have been acceptable? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm not gay. You're gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gay. Ew. Yeah. So
0: I remember. I remember in high school. I must have been about sixteen, and this was well before I came out as bi, and. Like I remember someone came up to me and was like, You like guys? And I went, No, God no, like, Ugh yeah. <laughs> um, And it's and it's that kind of level of, you know, I've had that many conversations, especially because um uh, it's funny, a lot of my a lot of my friends are gay or bi. Like I have very few like straight friends, which I think the the ones mm. who are are very like open to having those conversations. But you do realise that like a lot of the divide in the LGBTQIA plus community is not understanding one another and where each other sits in the spectrum of everything. Mm, exactly. I think it's really apparent because I was watching Mardi Gras this year and watching the Sydney parade and I just went, God, this feels like so many just people are capitalizing on what is actually <sighs> meant to be a celebration <laughs> yeah. of being... Tell me about it. Like, it. It feels like Mardi Gras has lost the point... And and a lot of our queer culture has lost the point of what it was actually starting to be because yeah. it's not... It it doesn't feel like there's any, you know, sh- importance to it anymore. It just feels like it's commercialised and, you know... Yeah,
1: it's not celebrating a time where, you know, people really struggled and yeah. now it's a time... Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's like it's in, it's it's cool, it's cool now, you know yeah. what I mean? And, like, a lot of people... I, it's funny because I was talking about this with my friend as well. It's like rainbows everywhere, and I'm I love that. I think that's a hundred percent like freaking cool. Yeah. But then sometimes you go into those celebrations, and there's still going to be homophobia within that. Yeah. And even uh, c- c- sort of like a different topic, but as you were mentioning before, like growing up, there's still that internalized homophobia, and even gay people have that towards different. Um, aspects of the LGBTQIA plus mm. community, you know what I mean? So there's still like rivalries in between and yeah. it's, it's a little bit sad, but also the society brings that out in people as well, which yeah. I think is super sad.
0: It's it's very interesting as well because in the workplace, it's not something that's really talked about in the tech field that you could be like, it's, it's so funny because I can switch on this sort of, I, I went to the mechanics not that long ago probably like last year and I just you know I can switch on that hey mate how you going hey bro yeah whatever kind of vibe and then the moment I'm home I'm like oh I could sit down have a nice little cup of tea you know just relax yeah yeah. kind of like I I can flip the switch anytime and
1: I suppose that's the creative in you as well yeah
0: but I mean like my partner she just went god you're very good at that and I'm like (laughs) I've just learned because there is there is like you know, obviously, the creative industry we're full of it, um, and the, and there's so many people. But it 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 from a prominent even to this day, I think the only mm. channels that you'll ever watch and are that are even sort of queer friendly would be ABC and SBS. Like yeah. most commercial channels, just gloss over even like you know racial or, or you know like any sort of identity to differentiate, it it gets kind of glossed, yeah. glossed over. And I think it's very apparent more so now than it probably was like 10 years ago when we were leaving high school and stuff like that because now it's sort of like you've got all these young kids, as we were saying, coming out of high school being so expressive yeah, and then the media is showing this still kind of like old generation kind of demographic stories and we're like, what year are we living in? Who's?"
1: But it's so, like, it's so deeply inrooted. Like, yeah. you get your parents, your grandparents, but if you think about it in establishments like schools, the mm. law, like, just so many, it's just deep-rooted homophobia, racism. It's just the, the stuff that, t- it, it needs to be, uprooted and changed from its very, you know what I mean, from its very very roots because so many things around us are changing but the root is still, you know what I mean, it's still infected, it's still, it's got that icky sort of stuff from the past. So I think once we, we're slowly getting there, slowly getting there, but not, yeah, nowhere near as enough as we need to be. No,
0: I mean, when you, you were saying with South Africa as well, What was it like going there? Did you have to feel like you were someone completely different for the period of time you were there?
1: Not really because, I mean, as as you were saying before, I'm very expressive so I'll find a way. Mm. Um, I just kept that part of myself hidden. Everything else was the same. Um, I mean, I still had, because I had a long-distance relationship at the time, Mm. so I had one best friend that knew, so at least I had, you know, someone to tell. But other than that, I was pretty much myself, so I didn't feel like... I mean, although it is a huge part of my identity now, I think I still let it show without letting it show. Like I was super artsy. I was, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I think if I wasn't, if I wasn't accepted after I came out, I think that would have been a huge problem for me, um, because I would have felt like I would have had to hide from my parents and from people around me. Yeah. Um, I, I thank my lucky stars every day that I have such an amazing support system. My family, my friends, like. You know, I've never really experienced from the from people I love. I've never experienced um, kind of hate and homophobia in that sense. So I feel really, really lucky.
0: Mm. I mean, I mean, that's like it's fortunate for us um, comparatively now. Then, you know, but I'm glad you haven't because I feel like that could have, do, it could have shaped us very differently.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, who knows what I would have, I probably wouldn't even been doing acting. Yeah. Because it's that shame. Yeah. It's that shame that some people, and you still feel it now and then. Yeah. Um, and you see it in other people, and it's so so hurtful, like, you know. But, um, yeah, I agree with you.
0: Though with acting, where, where do you see the trajectory of characters you want to portray? Is that something that you sort of enrooted in- in- more so now because of the pandemic you've gone, there are certain more characters that I do want to play versus like pre-pandemic wherever, you know. The, I feel like the acting industry has changed a bit Yeah, because it's not running to just get the next audition. It's now kind of everyone being very decisive about what they do? Do you feel like you've just gone a bit more, okay, these are the things that I definitely want to do and these are the things that I'm sticking far away from?
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. Obviously, when you first started out acting, you're kind of doing every job that you can. You're, you're doing unpaid work, you're doing paid work, you're doing stuff that kind of isn't really worth your time and all that stuff. But now you've kind of sieved, I've kind of sieved through all that, done all that. And now, as you said, yeah, I can pick I want to do that, that's not good. That's not going to be good for me. That will be great for my profile, this, this, this. Um, And, yeah, now I know what kind of roles I want to play because the pandemic brings out certain things in certain people and I think um, just seeing those people in certain struggles and how they, you know, overcome those struggles and the communication that they have with the people around them, I think just observing that throughout these three years has been – such a learning curve. And just to see how it's affected literally every single aspect of our society, I think it's it's almost like a study, like a character study for me. And yeah, yeah I think it's super exciting. I think, yeah, once I do get a, a good role, I want it to be just incorporate all of the stuff that I've learned from the pandemic. Might sound a bit weird, but really excited.
0: Do you then think that you're one of those people who's benefited probably from the pandemic a little bit? <sighs>
1: I don't know because I'm one of those people who think like everything happens for a reason. So if, you know, if the whole pandemic thing happened, I can't sort of go and say, because I don't really know what would have happened if the pandemic didn't happen. We've just kind of had to change and adapt. And in a way, I love that we're like that. Although, I mean, it's, I've fruited everything and everything's changed and you're like, whoa, what the hell am I going to do now? But it puts us in that thing that nothing lasts forever. Yeah. So as long as you're in that – as long as you're headstrong, then you can adapt to things around you. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to hold on to this dream of acting and adapt it to my surroundings in in that sort of way, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean – because it's interesting because I feel like people – you know, you could could take it the other extreme where you're just like, woe is me, woe is... No,
1: because where's that going to get you? No. And I think as, as you know, I think I was, I was listening to one of your other ones where you were, your other podcast, I can't remember you, who your guest was, but how you were saying um, you despise negativity. I'm kind of someone like that as well. You know, obviously, yeah, if you're having a bad time, you can be negative, but negativity will not get you very far. Yeah. And... With every opportunity or with every situation, you can assess it and just do the best you can with a positive attitude, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting as well because I think I take everything with negativity as this grain of, you know, fun childhood love mm-hmm. for the arts as well as the professionalism. Yeah. And those two kind of go together. Yeah. They have to go together because you have to be sort of like – you have to be a professional, of which is respect people yeah. and everything. But the other side of it is you can also, like, don't forget you make friends in this industry and you kind of can talk shit and you kind of can talk about issues that you have with the structure of the industry. I feel like the problem is when people kind of get into this high and mighty issue about the industry of mm. where they think they sit on the pedestal, Yeah, and I have... I'm like you're, you know, and I'll say to people, you're no better than anyone else in this room. Yeah. Like this is the thing that you need to get out of your head is your ego. Oh, because yeah. no one else is going to care for you if no. you think you're up here. Because it's 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 bullshit to bring that kind of attitude in. It's And
1: it also makes other people around you feel little and that's what they thrive on. Yeah. And I just I just hate that like it's Yeah. Icky. I
0: mean I think it's also just because, you know, like, unfortunately, just with the pandemic, it's it's like um, 2020 was like a complete write-off. And then 2021 was like, um, you know, a a kind of partial write-off because it was still kind of like you were in this. I definitely remember when I was trying to organize productions and stuff, it was very much COVID was down and then with the moment you wanted to do the production it was like peaking again so mm. you were just always on edge about whether or not you had to cancel something last minute and say mm. we have to move this like four months down the track yeah till the pandemic wave has gone and I think when a lot of people are understanding of that aspect it's great because everyone goes cool you're keeping everyone safe you're having these plenty of discussions because I feel like when you're creating, you have to have so many more discussions than you used to of just being like, turn up here, do your thing, go Because home.
1: things go wrong and you have to adapt, change, yeah, reestablish, and, yeah, move forward, yeah. And some people don't understand that.
0: Yeah, they just go, oh, just, like, how dare you kind of like or, change the schedule. <laughs>
1: or when you do things a lot in film, TV, with acting, whatever, things go wrong all the freaking time. You're on a mm. shoot. Most of the time you'll have 500 mistakes before one thing will actually go right. So I feel like- yeah most creatives understand that. And if you're not kind of, if you're not understanding like, what are you doing? Who, who do you think you are? You're not <laughs> the queen of freaking England. Like as if nothing is ever, it's like at work when an order goes wrong or an order is a little bit late. Have you never had anything go wrong that you can be yeah. so snobby to, to complain and yell at the person right now? No, nah, no. Nah.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I can't stand that because I, I feel like I learned that being an usher for three years at a theater in Sydney. And it just really taught me about different people. And one of the things that I I remember, like every time someone would come up and, you know, be like, oh, you know, this problem with it, you'd have to kind of go, okay, well, I can either sort it out here or I'll have to talk to my manager. Mm -hmm. Like, and the moment you said the manager word, they'd be like, oh, no, no, no. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. It's because they don't want to, basically a lot of the time people just wanted to have a bitch. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to like, and, and I'm sure you get that all the time at work where people just, you know, want to complain about something to you. Horrible like Horrible things, yeah. How do you deal with that nowadays? Because, like, have you got to compartmentalize that, that entirely and just, like, they're not my problem?
1: Well, I used to be – I've gotten a lot better at this. I used to be kind of really shy and never say no, never yell at anyone. Mm. But obviously, being in customer service for so long, you have to go – you have to stay calm. People hate when you stay calm, let me just tell you. Yeah. They're yelling at your face and you're just like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I honestly cannot do anything for you right now. All you have to do, I just repeat what I can in a professional manner. And if they don't, I just k- keep repeating it until they either walk away or answer yeah. my question. You know what I mean? So just stay calm. And at the end of the day, or you can just go, please, can you leave? And if yeah. your manager is there, they will say the exact same thing. Just tell them to F off, you know, in the nicest yeah. words. <laughs> but I'm so much better at dealing with it now, honestly. It used to freak me out. And I think, yeah, I think acting's helped that so much. I can just like, L- listen, mate, I can't help you. Like, I'm trying to help you, but you're yelling in my face. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, I can go on for ages with that. <laughs> <situation>.
0: <laughs> no, I love that because, I mean, like, I can too. And, and I think, too, it's funny as well because when – I'm a bit of an introverted person, so I love – Meeting new people, but I also like my alone time. So it's Mm. like you know,
1: extrovert introvert.
0: Yeah, extroverted introvert. I love it. It's great. Yeah, me
1: too. I'm the same. I'm. I think I'm an introverted extrovert.
0: Ah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, I I get at work. I get loads of phone calls all the time from different people over all over the world. Mm. And I think one of the things that I often, you know, I I try to say on as professional as I can. But when you get phone calls at weird hours, you kind of like. I'm tired. You're tired. What are you asking? And because uh, my department's 24 hours, it's kind of one of those moments where you just kind of go, I don't want to be rude, but like, talk to me as clearly as possible. Yeah. Why you trying to make want. this
1: difficult for both of us right now? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like if you can be straightforward with your questions. Fantastic. Instead of
1: telling you the whole story and whose mom yeah. did this and their auntie said yeah. this <sighs> and you're like, bro, what's the problem? Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But there's so many people in like who just waffle and like. I think (laughs) read the room,
1: man. Read the room. Yes. When When people can't read the room, it's so (laughs) awkward. I it's one of my icks. I think when people cannot read the room, I want to read it for them. Being like, mate, it's a no. (laughs) It's a no. Everyone is saying no.
0: (laughs) That's like my favorite thing is when you see people and like bars or anything when you see someone trying to hit on someone and it's just oh. like the <laughs> and you just it's see the, the cringiest thing ever the, the penny drop like oh. the moment they realise or they never realise and you're like how long have you been sitting there going they're yeah. not interested no nah. um, nah. look but ten minutes have gone by and they're still like they're, and, and it's but It's worse when you see them with friends. Because
1: friends say something, yeah, say something, man.
0: It's like your friend has to go. Sorry, they're not into you.
1: Fake Can friends. You please leave. I know it's it's horrible. You want to? You kind of just want to go up to them and be like, "Look, it's not going to work out. <laughs> go home."
0: <laughs> I I think the the ever best situation is like I've had to pretend I'm the partner of a few of my friends just to get mm-hmm. like th- that's the kind of pl- play I do, yep. which is to kind of be like, "Oh, this is my
1: boyfriend." Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just like, hey. Um, yeah. And then just go like, because it, it's a good get out of jail free card. Well, um, speaking,
1: speaking of mm. when number of times I've gone to gay clubs or clubs in general, whatever, and say a guy will come up to you, hit on you, whatever. And you'll say, I used to say either like I'm gay, like I'm Sorry, yeah. I'm gay. Like flat flat out. And then they'd be like, Oh yeah, sure, sure. Like I'm like, no, literally I'm gay, like I'm sorry. And then, oh prove it, or oh, prove it. And then it's just like they'll either say, Oh prove it, prove it, or they'll get all angry and be like, Oh, you lying to me, I'm only lying like just if someone's lying to you, telling them you're gay and they're gay, just leave it anyway. If you think they're lying, why would you want to continue talking to them and harassing them? Like it's it's just it's really uncomfortable. Now I just resort to saying I have a boyfriend because I can't, I can't be bothered dealing with that stuff. It's a bit hurtful.
0: Isn't that sad that that's kind of like what we have to resort to just to get people off our backs? Yeah. Cause the only way I could get a, out of jail is like um, when I went to anywhere and I had a guy come up to me and hit, hit on me. I'd be like, um, otherwise like I would just say I was taken, which was probably mm. the easiest solution or, um, it's
1: quite broad, yeah.
0: Yeah, or or um, just be like, "All right, ha- have a girlfriend," and and you know, like now I can actually say that and it's true. But it's it's one of those things that I, I even now, um, if it's not the first conversation where you're like, "I've got a partner," they they always think you have a ch- they have a chance with you, and it's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> Again, because about I reading
1: need... the room. Some yes. people can't do it.
0: And, it's, and I just can't wait. I was I was telling my partner the other day, it was like, oh, if we, you know, if and when we get married and we have rings on, I reckon someone will still try it on me no matter what I do. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's just... Yeah. lo and behold, the you know, when you're creative and, and, you know, like, I remember once, she's oblivious to when she's flirted with. It's the funniest thing. Love it a bit. That's kind of cute. It's so cute. <laughs> but every time I see someone flirt with her, I'm just like, oh, they're flirting with you. And she was like, what? <laughs> and then she'll go into this, ew, like,
1: mode. Instead of being like, what? They were flirting with <laughs> me? Yeah, I know.
0: Because she... She is she is so not interested in anyone else, and it's the cutest oh, thing in the that world. Is so, she's sweet. so It's so she's so smitten by me, but I just find it so funny that she just like if I say that person, she's like, "Oh no, I won't talk to them.
1: Oh, <laughs> just
0: be nice to them. Talk to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. nice." She's
1: ultimately like rude to them. Like, ew. No, ha- no, no,
0: man. Uh, no. she just gets no, sh- no. she just gets shy. Yeah, and it's so
1: sweet. That is really but, um, sweet.
0: With with acting now, I'm going back to like acting and um. Where, is the, is the main interest now kind of like voice or um or movies or tv or internet like where's your main interest kind of like flowing these days
1: well i have been since i haven't done anything besides kind of short videos on the internet like tiktok and little short skits and yeah. stuff like that that's kind of how i've been keeping the ball rolling but since i'm in perth i'll be starting a new job soon um just want to save up some money I am thinking of going into theater because obviously that's where it all started, and that's mm. a great way for me to just kind of start from the bo- start from the beginning. I'm gonna be humble, like even though I've you know I feel like I'm going backwards, but who cares? It doesn't matter. I'll learn stuff, and I think theater will be incredibly fun. Like yeah, that's literally the nuts and bolts of acting, and that's I, being just being on stage, performing in front of anyone. It it gives me even if and I was thinking. If, even if I don't get paid for it at first, if I'm just doing acting, I feel like I'll be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so I think I might, I might try a little bit of theater in the meantime. So I'm really looking forward to that.
0: That's that's awesome. I mean, like, kudos because I love theater. It's Incredible. Even though, like, I have <laughs> terrible stage fright.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
0: I am so much better in camera than I am. In front of a set. Of... I think I'm the opposite. Really? I love it. Because I love it. Are you, are you? What <laughs> What makes you scared of the camera <laughs> is my next question.
1: When there's attractive people behind <laughs> it, like I get really scared. Like usually I'm okay in front of a camera, but the camera can't move its mouth back. Yeah. Like I love, it, the. it my favorite thing is interacting mm. where you can like feed off the other person. Yeah. And with a camera, it's all on you. So it takes a lot of practice, a lot of that's kind of friggy. Um, but with another person, you just feed off them. Yeah, so they can do all the work, pretty much.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's true because I never like, I guess I don't. like, that's, that's really like, oh, I just don't like feeding off people. But I mean, I do. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, but... absolutely. Like the idea of looking at a camera and we're like, oh yeah, this is totally normal. Is is a little bit like mm. terrifying because. Um yeah it is in this inanimate object. it is kind of like the film aesthetic um but i mean like do you do you prefer indie art and indie theater over like mainstream stuff these days or
1: oh definitely i i i can't say I've watched a lot of movies recently um if I did that'd be a total lie, but I have. <laughs> The indie movies that I have been watching, I do watch a lot of horror and thriller, and um, the indie ones that have been coming out are incredible. I, I kind of – I haven't really been going to the cinema, so I'll kind of watch something three years after it's been out and then, you know, after all that. But I definitely think that um more of the – um, less mainstream production companies are coming up with amazing things because they've had to be so resourceful. Yeah. Like you can't go, you can't have all these extras and all these things now. Um, obviously, low budget, COVID. You got to make new ideas. So people are getting really creative with their films, and I think it's yeah, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, because I mean, horror and like that genre is known for cheap budgets. Um, like eight yeah, and it's. Awesome. it's so good. I mean, like a twenty four is my favorite production studio, which hands down. they do some great low budget.
1: What do they? Do you have an example?
0: Um, they've done midsummer and hereditary.
1: I was literally about to ask you, have you seen midsummer? Yes,
0: I have seen midsummer. Oh. it's it's I think the the thing is like I love Ariasta, who just basically said in an interview that he wanted to do horror during the daylight. And I was like, oh. how do you do that other than, that way and it's just creepy it's uns- completely
1: shocking but i mean like
0: it's it's interesting because that's when horror is done well yeah it's 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 not a slasher it's not just a generic horror
1: cuz it's true fear it's like oh i physically cannot look at that
0: i think the um the other like there's a lot of it based on history and how i think people would have died unfortunately in horrific ways and mm. you know if you look at textbooks and everything there are like this torture that happens to people and i feel like mm. i know that you listen to morbid a true crime podcast i know that for love it
1: <laughs> i'm obsessed with them it's so good they're incredible yeah
0: it always kind of reminds me because i remember like driving to work or coming home from work and i'd, I'd be listening to that like two hours of them talking yeah and i remember one episode was on the Toy Box Killer.
1: <gasps> oh, I think I paused that one for for a bit. Yeah,
0: I, I after that episode, I, it took me two weeks to listen to another one because I was just, like, so shocked yeah. by how appalling that was. But, I mean, what's really interesting is that you kind of go into films now hearing all these real-life killers and everything and going, well, they're not that far removed from the real thing because everyone's like, oh, they must be so exaggerate. I'm like, no, no that was the 70s. And '60s and '80s, like people were that crazy because mental health. Yeah,
1: people it wasn't exposed. That's why it's yeah. so it was so insane to them. Yeah. But now we're just like these are real people, guys. We're so desensitized in a way. Yeah, it's a bit scary. <laughs>
0: it, yeah, and it, and it, I feel like with horror nowadays, it's sort of like the creepy aspects come from what you necessarily don't see and the unsettling.
1: That's exactly right. The unseen. Yeah. The unknown.
0: Because I remember. Loving, loving and hating horror in early 2000 because it would come out, you'd have Saw, you'd basically see everyone die. Yep. <laughs> there was no hiding away from like, you know, you had Saw, you had Human Centipede, you had all these like...
1: Ooh, that one
0: was bad. I feel like shock horror and torture porn came out massive during that era Yeah, and it's kind of died away now because people have realised that unseen horror is is way more terrifying when because you... Because you
1: picture it in your head. Yeah. And the brain is way more creative than you will ever think. I mean... They... I was going to say, speaking of hereditary, yeah. um, Tony Collette, one of my absolute favourite actresses, actors, whatever, I met her while selling a pair of shoes at Hype, actually. Ooh! At one of my jobs.
0: Did you have a nerd moment?
1: I nearly passed out. <laughs> I had to she walked in and i was like is it no it's not is it no it's not and then i thought i went to the back room and i was like get yourself together man and i gave myself a few, few slaps and i i was like this is your moment and i went out there and i just pretended i had no idea who she was still respectful respectfully obviously and then she was looking for shoes for her daughter new school shoes or whatever and i i did the best and ended up selling her a pair of shoes wow. so I must have done really well. She, honest, I didn't, I was like, should I ask for a picture? But it looked like she had the worst day, honestly. Yeah. She was like, she was so like, full. she wasn't rude or anything, but she was just like tired and like, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? But that was one of the best moments of my life. I
0: mean, <laughs> that, that always reminds me of like, um, the theater I used to work with and, um, they used to have like celebrity, you know, get, um, they didn't, well, the celebrities would come to see plays. So mm. you'd had a Hugh Jackman once come in oh. and- and, uh, you know, you just – because you were accepting tickets, you were just like, oh, I'll have a nice show. So you kind of didn't want to acknowledge that it you was – You just gaga. Like, yeah, you just kind of be like, uh-huh. Uh, so you kind of had to switch off that fan thing because you were just like, oh, it's this way to your seat or this is where you'll be, you know, like hated.
1: Yeah, because you have that level of professionalism yeah. to, to withhold, yeah.
0: Um, and and I mean, like, I think that just kind of, you know, is instilled in us because I've, I've worked for now to imagine – um networks and even when like um you know celebrities do come in or i've met hosts of um, australian breakfast television stuff i i mm. kind of call them by their first name because the moment you desensitize yourself to it they're kind of ordinary people yeah and they're just like oh hey how are you going good yeah you goodbye exactly yeah suddenly that like f- you know nervousness and and kind of worry um and and I think it was like um veteran actor who now passed away, John Hurt, mm. um, had been like a massive, massive um, career in uh, um, his entire life. And he said in an interview that he was like, it's like, you're not, you're all about playing. You're all about having fun and playing. Because he was like, I hate the idea of work. Mm. I like the idea of playing. That's why we call it a play. Yeah. Because we're playing. That's it, I was like, yeah, that, that is 101. Exactly right. Like, he was just like, if anyone comes to me and is like, you're famous, John Hurt. He's like, I I don't have time for this. Like, yeah. I would rather you just be like, hey, John, what do you what do you want from me? Because he's not, he, he, you know, he passed away at 75, but he was just like, he'd done it for so long that he didn't care that people yeah, kind of put him on this. Yeah, that's p- what he did.
1: Yeah. He was so obviously used to it. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's what I do, man. Yeah. And I
0: mean, like, yeah. that, that as creatives is our job, is to blend in and just do our thing. And I feel like you know, when we do, it's, it's funny because I feel like Instagram is kind of the the best and worst thing. Mm. Cause this is how I see social media is it's like you and I are very true to ourselves, but then, you know, I never want to get it to this stage where I become a fake person or I become like, yeah, that's it. How do you, how do you sort of skim away from that for yourself?
1: Well, I'm, cause I've, I've recently, not recently, I've been on TikTok for a f- a little bit now, but I started doing a lot more of the more trends that they were doing and I'm like, oh my God, I'm becoming one of those people Mm. just to get stuff out there. I'm just producing. And, you know, you kind of get a little bit, but uh, I can't really create stuff that isn't me yeah, because I feel like it's more, it would be more, it's more of a chore. Yeah it's really difficult for me usually with work obviously I'll work if I can't do something I'll work my heart my ass off I'll research I'll do everything to you know make the best out of this whatever I'm working on but if if I don't connect with if I if I don't feel like it's me I won't do it yeah you know what I mean if I don't if I don't believe in it I won't do it so I think that's that kind of helps me a little bit I'm not gonna I don't feel like I could I'm gonna be one of those people who just kind of put out yeah. Dumb, fake stuff. Well, I'm trying not to be into it. It's really hard. It's really hard because it's entertaining. All this dumb shit is entertaining. Excuse my language. but
0: Oh, no, no. Swear all you want. Like, I agree. TikTok is like. it's. There are
1: some gems, but it's also some crap out yeah.
0: there. Yeah. I mean, it, it is the abyss though now of the internet. And, and I mean the abyss. It's a wormhole. It yeah. Because I purposely avoid it. To now to kind of not get... because you'll get stuck. Yeah, <laughs> three you hours. You'll get stuck. Three hours of your day is god if you look too deep yeah. into it. And I remember like um the that the Encanto like train like Disney everything Disney has like a train bandwagon when a popular Disney song gets on there or a popular song everyone suddenly oh, starts yeah. making memes out it and it's just like oh my god like can I not escape the meme. Do
1: you remember when a meme was like just a picture and the writing was in like bold text yes. above and below? Yes. That was a meme. And you had like what bad luck Brian um what, what those classic memes um anyway, but I think that was what a meme was and now what they've come to. Yeah. You show that to someone they'll be like what the hell is that? I, That's <laughs> not even funny. And we'll lose our shit.
0: <laughs> it's the same with Vines, though. I feel like Vines. Vine. Oh, like, yeah. I miss Vine. I, I'm, you know, like.
1: Vine it, was incredible.
0: It was, you know, and you had to think. You had to really think with Vines because you weren't.
1: And it was so much harder. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and I feel like, I don't know, it's it maybe because, you know, people who I know who are doing really well on TikTok uh, are following other people's jokes or they're kind of like Mm. um you know but there's it kind of feels like the you're suddenly saturated with everything
1: that's it yeah
0: yeah
1: it's kind of the same
0: yeah it was it was really interesting because i was having i was having a conversation um with one of my friends and she was saying we we were we were chatting about like podcasts and stuff and it was the same thing where it's like originality is basically dead mm. like <laughs> there are 500 podcasts out there that you know talk to creatives and talk about their lives yeah what makes anything different and i think it always comes down to who does it and who does what and, and intention into... as well yeah
1: intention is everything almost yeah
0: yeah and i feel like um you know <laughs> It's funny because back in, back in the day, like they were only like, you know, 10 years ago, there were probably only like 50 podcasts on the internet because everyone didn't have a home setup that they could record in or like, you know. Take the worst recorded audio and just upload it to the internet.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember learning what a podcast was. Like, I was like, what the heck is this? And then yeah. now every I, I barely listen to music anymore. watch just podcasts. So yeah. it's another thing. It's another comment on kind of our generation and how we're moving forward.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, like, it's it's prime example of Morbid. Like, if you listen to their first episodes, you can oh, hear the dryer. The sound
1: is so bad. <laughs>
0: it's so bad. But the dryer in the background is just going... I know. And it's like, but it's always interesting to look back on and go, well, this is where they were from and this is where they're at now. And it's not, it's not like it's an overnight thing. No. It's such a progression. Yep. And um, I feel like, yeah, as, do you feel like, you know, when you go into roles or like when you go into auditions that people are just like, you have to be like this automatically and and with directors, because some directors kind of have this setting where, they, mm. and I swear it happens with the, like, if you're not the character right then and there, I'm not going to hire you. It's like your point as a director is to mould.
1: Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, some people, some of the less, I'm not going to, like, People who I don't think have done many auditions are like that, where mm. they've obviously maybe been in the in the actual um, directing or s- done stuff like yeah. that, but they don't know how it actually takes to build someone up like that. So I find um, actors are the best directors because they know how to push you, they know how to like prod you to get you to that certain height, and they always say we'd rather tone you down than tone you up. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, you got to do your best. I, I I mean, at the end of the day, if 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 a director wants you to do something in audi- in an audition, you just do it the best you can. And if they don't like what you do, I guess you're not going to get the part, but that's just how it goes. Yeah. So, for me, I just I used to think about this all the time like, "Oh my god, I'm going to look like an idiot if I go, t- you know, too big or too small." You know what I mean? But you just you just go for it. Yeah. And who knows, like someone who was watching in the back has a film that they're, you know, writing and they're just sitting in for this. You know what I mean? And they're going to ask you for, to do that. So it's just about doing your best and that's all you can do. If you someone wants you to do something, do it to the best you, you can. And if you can't, then you can't.
0: Yeah. Uh, which I mean, <laughs> 100%. And I think that you kind of forget that so often. and. It's it's one of the things that I think we learn, we just learn about as we get older. Uh, but I mean, like, I 100% agree with you also on the fact, I was going to say, that, yeah, actors make the best directors. Mm. Like, I started, I studied acting. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> career-wise. I want to direct and produce stuff. Yeah. So, but it, it does give you the kind of ability where you can kind of sit in and tell people where what they need to do and and kind of relate to them on that creative level, yeah because you're not kind of going there at all you're kind of going, we're all this kind of like neat collaborative group, yeah, and we 're all here to make the product and then put that product out there, and some
1: people just take different things to get to that, they yeah, yeah have different methods and ways, like some of my acting teachers were really, really good at kind of telling me things like, oh, what if your character's doing this and how do you feel about that? Or mm. what if your character had a child and was trying to protect it and how do you feel? Like, they knew the exact things t- to make me think, oh, like... And then it unlocks this whole new feeling, like this whole new aspect that you can bring to the scene. And some people just with me personally, some some directors and they, you just don't connect, but they might connect with someone else. Mm. So it's... You try not to, even if you have one bad audition, sometimes your hopes can just go down the drain. And that's another thing. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing that you have to just, once you do the audition, put it out of your head because you did your best. That's it. Move on to the next one. <laughs> that's literally the best thing is just stop thinking about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, has that refine taken you a while though to kind of get out of your head? Oh, 100%. It's
1: it's only kind of now that I have less auditions that I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to make the most of it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because yeah, obviously when you when you're starting when you're new at anything, it's daunting, and especially a baby actor and you're going to all these auditions, you just want to be perfect. Yeah. But you learn that they're not looking for perfect. Most of the time, they're not looking for perfect. They're looking for someone they can f- that can bring what they have as well as take on what they want you to take on. Yeah.
0: Do you find this is kind of a kind of the thing. I feel like it's less nowadays, but I do. Do you think that as a, a female actor, that body types are still very kind of like people will look for body types and and certain like heights and everything?
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, for certain roles, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of people now are writing roles that can be more diverse, so they're not looking for a specific kind of um, person, but yeah, it's still there. It's, it's Hollywood. It's, it's big time cinema. You're always going to have, um, people wanting the most glamorous looking typically, mm. you know, beautiful person. But in saying that there are so many movies now that have opportunities for other people. Like I'm not the shortest, the tallest, skinniest, prettiest girl, but I know that there are still opportunities for me out there. And it's also about believing in yourself if you don't if you feel like you're not going to get roles you're probably not going to get roles it's Mm. it's all about like I, I can be as you were saying like you're not better than anyone else in this room and no one's better than you yeah if you can just believe I'll do that I can do that it's about attitude, you know what I mean. And have you seen Booksmart? Yes, one of my favorite movies ever. Look at the diversity in that movie, and that is like mostly female cast, like people our age or my age. I don't really know. You probably, I'm
0: I'm not much older than you. So Twenty-four. I'm I'm thirty, so you know thirty, six wow. years. You look at
1: you don't look a day over twenty-one, Martin.
0: The, <laughs> I take that the nicest compliment. Um, but yeah,
1: incredible movies. The cast is so diverse. Like yeah, mm. and. And just creates beautiful film, you know.
0: Yeah, I own that movie as well, and mm-hmm. um, I feel like I grew up with a lot of a lot of different films. And interestingly, like you know, like uh, you know, everyone can count Whiplash because Drew Barrymore directed it. Oh, I yeah. feel like that is the ultimate uh, queer film as well, kind of of that. Although it's interesting because it doesn't feel. It feels like it was trying to be queer, but it didn't become queer.
1: I feel like her character should have been gay.
0: Yeah. I, I, like, I,
1: same I, as that movie, Stick It.
0: It's, it's, it's kind of interesting as well because I feel like these were the pinnacle points where they were like, they got halfway through the writer's room and they were like, what do we do for the heteronormative? people like I oh, would we'll just keep it the heteronormative like they just kind of ignored where their story was going and kept it as straight as possible
1: I feel like they should have capitalised on the fact that men love lesbians yes <laughs> like seriously <laughs> more movies need to get on that you know it's
0: it's so true as well like it's I remember the years ago this was I was probably about 18 I met my I, I funnily enough met one of my best friends at this party uh, and she and I have now been friends for like 11 years, but I remember there was this girl there, um, hooking up with another girl Woo. and instantly all the guys were, you know, going gaga about it. And I just sitting there off at the side, just going, I don't know why you're all interested in I would have been with
1: those group of guys, to be honest. I
0: know <laughs> you would have just rushed.
1: Oh my God. What are we looking at? Yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, it was, it was very much like that kind of like, um, end of high school party because it was like someone's 18th and we were all there at like um this house and it was just very it was like a venue and it was just very weird it was a very unusual yeah. unusual party but i just remember this one girl and i think she made out with like about 10 different guys and all people around the the whole party that night oh, and and, good and you know i was like kudos to you but also just like um, I was like, I hope some people have brushed their teeth because yeah, man, there's not going to be a pleasant. I night doubt for it, you. but <laughs> I I think it's always like my level of. I watched a video last night, and I think this is the only reason why I thought of hygiene and mouth hygiene was because it was all about dental hygiene and how you should brush your teeth twice a day. And I was yep. like that's the only reason. I don't know why but this is like suddenly when. When my late night watching videos is never just is about clinical things, no, and and never about entertainment. It's oh, just really? About, oh, what's scientific fact can I find tonight?
1: Is that because like you're gonna whip them out at a party and be like, "Did you know?" I <laughs> no, not even because that's pretty much the, the only reason I will look up facts is <laughs> so I can whip them out at awkward moments. Be like, "Let me just." Minus this awkwardness, did you know that teeth are actually? Yeah, this—that's—that's that's what I. What's do. your
0: we- what? What's your weirdest three AM thought? What's the weirdest <sighs> three AM like thought that you need to find out about?
1: Well, I'm still baffled about. Uh, I just don't understand TVs and phones and signal. Like, I on a, it, it really, I can't think of it for too long because it will give me anxiety. But how? The fact that signal just travels through the air, the fact that you can just take a photo. Yeah. Like, I just, you can try and explain it to me logistically and with the (laughs) numbers, and I will still be like, that does not make sense. That should not Mm. happen. It is magic. So yeah. just kind of the simple things, yeah. How about you?
0: <laughs> um, I love that. That's your, th- you know, your three M thought because the, I work in a tech field, so I got
1: So you I'm know, like, you're like, well, actually, I can explain it to you, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Nah. No, but
0: but it's also like it's it's so funny because I'll explain it to Emily, and she, the moment I start, sp- she'll fall asleep, and I'm like, yeah. perfect time, have a long nap. But I mean, like, I think my weirdest three M thoughts are just like things of like how did an old radio work <laughs> or um, what's the life, ex- what's the longest a cat has ever lived.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. You like random stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause, it, cause I've done that. I've like looked up this stuff and I, um, my Emily's dad just called me like the Google box once because I kept looking up facts. He would throw a fact at me and he'd be like, I'd look it up in seconds. I'm like, oh, okay. That's what this is. And he was like, how do you do that? I love random stuff, but I think, I've gotten that off my dad because my dad will- He's
1: like that? Yeah.
0: He absolutely researches the crap out of random facts and then kind of surprises people at dinner parties oh, with them.
1: See, th- he's, I respect uh, that. I respect that. Mm. We'd get along, I think, <laughs> your father and I.
0: I. I'm pretty sure you would. He's a kind of eclectic character because mm. I love him a bits. He's like the most awkward soul, but every time he's ever met any of my friends, he'll kind of like- have this moment of going, what, what fun facts can I tell you about my children oh, yeah. as well as yep. the world and then yep. <laughs> display that. They
1: want to embarrass you a little bit. They have to.
0: Yeah, I know. It's like parents 101. It's 101.
1: Uh, you have to. It's a prerequisite. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I. My favorite is I can't wait to do that to my own kids. <laughs>
1: it's, like... it's so much fun. Or when you have a friend and they've just got a new girlfriend or oh, boyfriend yes. or partner and you're just like, oh, remember that time? And they squirm and you're like, her. I, yeah.
0: I think it's like um I yeah, one of my one of my great friends loving a bit, but yeah, every time I see him, he's like one of those people where he's just like, Oh, you remember that time when like and I'm just like And
1: you're Whoa. like please every time
0: Yeah, like stop. Because <laughs> like Emily's heard all the stories. She doesn't need to relive them.
1: This is what um, this is a trick that you can use when people start telling you stuff that you just don't want. You just say, Oh yeah. can I can I just stop you there? <laughs> and they go yeah and you're like oh no i just wanted to stop you and then they'll like they'll just stop they'll just stop they'll just stop
0: uh, wait do you, do you get a lot when you're like do you do you get a lot of friends just going oh do you remember this girlfriend you dated or like like
1: <laughs> yes yes Does uh, that like the, <laughs> there have been a, a few I'm not going to say mistakes. I'm going to say learning curves. <laughs> um, they're either a blessing or a lesson. Okay, we'll just say yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: it, it's so true. Like you, you know, when you were younger, and people say don't date crazy, you're like, too bad. They're gonna date me. So that that was my always response was if if I'm not dating, like it was like my mum said to me once. She was like, oh, can't you just date someone normal? I was like, good luck. Because
1: yeah, what do you think? You're like, do you want me to be bored all my life?
0: Yeah. Um. It was. I think it, it was kind of like an early conversation I had with my mom because she's very. She's a lot untouched with mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, not in a bad way, but her comprehension of like, if I go into gender politics or anything like that, it kind of goes a bit skew over her head. Mm. She's kind of like just doesn't fully understand. And same with mental health. Yeah. I remember, you know, like. <laughs> Being like, oh, Emily is like has anxiety and stuff. And every time my mom's just like Why are people your age just always so stressed? Like we're like did
1: <laughs> We're asking the same question, Mum. We really yeah, are. It's
0: it's one oh one. Like we, we you know, we we're just taking these tablets, we're doing these things and you know, it's still like, you know, we're going to therapy, we're doing all the things and you know, still don't understand why. Um yeah, but I, like, I often, like Emily and I will say, she probably has underlining anxiety herself. Like I think it's mm. just, it goes to, along to those lines of, if someone goes up to me, I don't have mental health issues. I'm like, okay, have you seen the therapist? You don't know you have mental health <laughs>
1: issues. So it's you like haven't I found don't... out what you have yet. Yeah. That's it.
0: Because um, it's like, there are so many people I've that I know who are, yeah, like have underlining mm. Uh, like chronic, um, you know, because I, I deal, uh, you know, like when I was younger, I dealt with, I kind of shrugged the anxiety and the depression under the belt. Mm. I'm now on medication for it, but it was, there was a period of time where I was, I was definitely not. Yeah. And I obviously say to people, medication is not for everyone because, you know, it depends how you deal with it. And yep. It depends like what helps you because obviously, but I do think that for me. A medication was the best thing because then I was able to kind of like think more clearly, do more Me things too. and then have a yeah. productive life mm-hmm. and and still like not have lack of any fun. Like, you know, they weren't like, oh, you can stop drinking or anything like that. I was like, no, oh, okay, no, cool. Yeah. Like these don't stop you having the fun that, you know, you grow up and love doing, but
1: they kind of just. Takes the edge off, off life a little bit. Yeah.
0: And I mean, like some people, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always get a bit worried when people just decide to self-medicate because I've obviously encountered a lot of people where that's had negative effects mm. and it's not been the best when they haven't seen a, a medical professional or something. They've gone to see a therapist and be like,
1: yeah, these are my issues. Yet. Yeah.
0: They've just gone, nope i." I'm not going to sort out my issues. I'm just going to self-medicate with yeah. whatever is available. Like yeah. that always puts me into concern because then it's like, you know, what do you do if something goes really over? Well, the it's edge? an
1: unwritten path. Like people, you'll just be doing whatever you feel, and that's. I mean, yeah, it's another thing about how we grow up and a thing. Uh, same social media. Like we're affected by every single thing. That's sort of cool these days. Um, to just not care and to drink all the time and to, you know, self-medicate, that's normal in a, in a way. No, but I agree with you. I, I'm Medicaid as well. And f- for me to be off is super hard and, um, it's not for everyone. Cause I've had friends who have been on it, not dealt well, come off it and been better, you know? So yeah. I, I'm the exact same as you. I need to, I need to be on it for me to function normally. Yeah. Um, otherwise just because i don't know if you're an overthinker but it literally ruins everything because you just overthink to a point where you explode and you can't function so that for me it helps that just calming that down
0: yeah i definitely prior to like there was only a few things that would kind of like sink me down to you know a level where it was like calm whether there was like you know doing recreational drugs or, you know, drinking or anything that kind of brought me down to this calm level. Mm. But now I think as an adult, like, and especially like being on meds, that doesn't stop me doing those things for fun, but it definitely kind of reduces the fact of that being the only thing that can make me day by day. Yeah.
1: Cause you're not clinging on to survival. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting cause Emily's just recently started, um, on anxiety meds, um, and even for her, we used to have like a glass of wine every night and and she even said to me, she's like, "I don't drink as much nearly mm. as much because my anxiety has gone from here to here, and so I don't require that edge to calm off. down, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's now more of a relaxed thing, which you know you want it to kind of be you want to be in the moment with whatever you do, and I feel like yeah, when you as an overthinker, I remember." Anything that anything like a bad day or an email or anything would just trigger me to the a over glance, edge. a tone, yeah.
1: an off tone, like yeah.
0: Mm. And I used to panic, like you know, if it was, it was like butterflies and and stomach clenches, like yeah. I, I did you ever have those sleepless nights where you couldn't really like get to sleep?
1: Always, yeah. I thought I had insomnia for a very long time, but I was just very yeah. anxious.
0: Was that like? When did you notice as a kid like how long ago did you start noticing
1: Oh I I literally have had anxiety since I can remember it's definitely cuz I've I mean I I've been seeing a therapist since I was 7 years old so Oh wow. Yeah so I'm very and was very aware like in my family that like I used to get full on panic attacks and just a very stressed out kid so I've been—I mean, I, I didn't really know what it was until I grew up, um, and then they, you know, sort of explained to me what it was, how to yeah. fix it, that sort of stuff. But, um, but also growing up, I realized how normal it was because when I was younger, I felt like. This sh- I felt had so much shame because I was always anxious and scared to do everything. You know what I mean? Mm. And kids around me, they didn't seem to be worried about that stuff. But now, as I got older, I was like, oh shit! Like actually, everyone was struggling just silently. Well, most people, you know what I mean? And when you're a kid, you don't see that. You're like, I'm literally an alien. I'm, I'm dumb. Like I've got all these problems. There's something wrong with me. But no, honey, you just need some help. <laughs> so yeah
0: i mean like that's great that you've been seeing a therapist since you were seven what was was that kind of the family decision
1: yeah that was from obviously because my it was kind of stemmed from me moving from south africa my parents splitting up so my dad just Mm. wanted us to be okay throughout that whole thing so he he was really good with getting us the support that we needed and he was seeing one as well so oh
0: wow yeah and that's that's very unusual for parents to kind of you know, do the same thing. Yeah,
1: that was back a long, quite a while ago as well. Because,
0: mm. like, um, my dad now sees a therapist and is on antidepressants, but he didn't do that until he was up, like, both me and my brother left home. Mm. So it was kind of like, it, it was a much later thing. And it's so interesting and different now seeing him, you know, therapy and on medication and everything because the the moment when we were younger, he'd fly off the handle at anything. And now he's just so calm. Uh, yeah,
1: it's crazy. That's so funny you mentioned it. That was my dad as well. Um But obviously my dad stopped drinking now as well. So he's off all that, but he used to be the same. Mm. Now he's chill.
0: Do you, <laughs> do, is that kind of like a juxtaposition now that you're, you know, do you feel like you have a better relationship with your father now? Yeah. That you're older? Yeah.
1: We've always been very close, but definitely <clears throat> now that I've, you just, you just growing up, you you have a more of a, an appreciation about how hard your parents actually worked, you know, to get mm. you and what they actually went through because you're going through it in that exact moment and just makes you a little bit more grateful. So yeah, I've, I've definitely gotten more close to my parents as I've gotten older. I just, I wish, I don't know if you feel this, but I just wish that you could just give them everything that they've given you. Like, I just, I know. I just want to throw it back. I just want to, like, give my heart and just, like, throw it at them. Like, I love you so much. But, you know, so I just want to be that daughter that can show, I don't know, they feel that I love them just as much as they love me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely the same. And I'll have that. It's, it's really interesting because I'll have really heart to heart conversations with dad now. Mm. And he'll tell me stuff about, like, you know, relationships, especially with breakups and stuff that I've had, he'll, he'll tell me of ones that he had when he was a teenager mm. and he'll be like, oh yeah, no, a similar situation happened to me. Yeah.
1: And you realize how similar you actually are.
0: Yeah. And, and it's kind of just, it's ridiculous because it, you know, you kind of just go, oh, well, you know, like, I'm you know, my parents only ever done, you know, like lived this one life that I only knew. And then you realize they've lived an entire life
1: A literal entire life yeah. yeah
0: and I think it it really takes the reflection of just how important um the family is mm. to me now because mm. um you know obviously th- I think it was really interesting as well because the surgery that I had recently was the first major surgery I'd had in like ever and it was the first time I'd been in hospital in like the last 10 years yeah so it was kind of one of those situations where both my parents were like you know, not overly concerned and then suddenly just like, Oh, you have to go to hospital to get surgery. Okay, well, um, we'll be there for you. Doesn't matter, everything instead and it was of them
1: like, organizing everything, it's like you organizing everything and you have yeah. to tell them and it's yeah, it's yeah. weird.
0: And and they're just like, Oh, sorted, of. we'll we'll you know, and that and Mum like the appointment um the surgery was like at six AM and Mum picked it um Emily and I up at five thirty in the morning to drive to the hospital. And everything, and it was just one of the most surreal things because mom was like, "I'll drop anything to do yeah. this," and she was like, "I've got meetings at nine a.m., but that's fine. I'll go home, have a coffee, like yeah. relax." And it was just like the the fact, the sheer fact that both my parents, you know, grew up, you know, obviously I had to go to a hospital a fair amount when I was a kid because I had grew up with epilepsy and ADHD, which oh, means wow, yeah. in, in and out of the um, Westmead Children's Hospital, fair amount. So for them, it was kind of just going. Okay, this is what we have to do for our kid again. And and instead of like being overly concerned, they they also did just go um like they said to Emily, they were like we're so glad he has you because <laughs> um and it was like my dad biggest sop that he is. He just went you're the, you know you're you're welcome anytime around the house, Aww. you know, and just and it was just like the the sheer open arms. It's the same with her family and and just everything like her dad says the same of how much I care about her, but it's, it, it really gets a sense when your family really kind of wants this good bond yeah, um, with their children and especially with their children's partner because I've definitely had relationships where my parents were not interested in my partner at all and they've just gone, yeah. this was a bad choice. Mm. This was a bad, like, and they've said that to me after a relationship it has ended. um, But the moment they met Emily and the moment, um, I think it was like, I had a conversation with my mom. She was like, don't mess this up. This one's a keeper.
1: And
0: it was just like. No pressure. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is stress. But I mean, like parents know. They
1: They do. know. They 100% do. It's scary. It's genuinely scary.
0: Yeah. Because they, they get, and they don't mean it in a negative way when they're like, oh, this relationship wasn't going to last and we're glad are No, they're but out they,
1: they're not going to say it. I mean, mo- some parents just tell you straight yeah. up, but a lot of the time they just wait till it kind of fizzles apart. But yeah, they know. They know as soon as they meet the person.
0: <laughs> when did your dad kind of just go, uh huh? When's it? How does he kind of gauge it with your partners?
1: Oh, he stops kind of asking questions at the moment. It's just, I think, because I haven't really had a serious partner in a little while probably like, mm. uh, I mean, like a year or whatever. He kind of just goes, oh yeah, like, yeah, you know, he won't, he will ask questions about them, but then you kind of just go, oh yeah. Yeah. Like he'll kind of just keep quiet, you know, Uh, but he's not going to, you know, if he sees a red flag or something, he's not going to ignore it, but he kind of just lets me figure it out. Yeah. He's like. And he'll give his two cents, but yeah.
0: I love the parents' two cents. It's
1: just, I'm just going to, you don't have to do anything with it. I might get mad if you don't take my advice, but just give, I'm (laughs) just going to give you this.
0: (laughs) My, my favorite is just like, oh, could they be a bit nicer? Yeah. Like, could they just be a bit friendlier? And it's like. And you're like, no. 'Cause then you have to have yeah. that awkward conversation with whoever's your partner at the time to be like, My parents kind of think you're an ass. Yeah.
1: Can you just just smile a little bit more? Like yeah. I don't think so. Just they, just them. It's not me. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly and then you, what and you then mean. You have to c- cover your eyes. You have own to prep traps. them. You have to prep them. Mm. Yeah. Did you
0: did you do you ever go through the stress though of meeting you know, your partner's family and then just going, okay, how am I like the serious
1: um, yes, my ex-partner, uh, I was a little bit stressed with her parents, um, or her mum, mm. And like, we didn't get, a, we didn't not get along, but I think there was just, we we're just very strong, sh- two different characters. And, um, that was a little bit hard, but, um, I haven't had too many serious partners where I'd actually met the parents. So it was oh, okay. just, yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm usually pretty good with parents to be honest. I love parents. I'm a talker, so most parents love talkers. So yeah, I I love meeting parents. It's not scary to me unless they are like homophobic then I get a little bit yeah. scared, but I usually know how to navigate that and just yeah, whatever. It's all right.
0: I mean that's always a bit of a like a, a hard thing as well because if you you know if you have a um daughter that's you know bi or gay, that's kind of like you're going to have to kind of accept that eventually coming mm. through your door. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're, they're great. Like, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: um, it's, I've, I've definitely kind of like walked into households that are very straight and I'm just like, Oh boy.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's scary because family dynamics are so different, and you realize mm. I realize sometimes how privileged not privileged but how lucky I am that I do have such an open family. Cause, yeah. Some of them aren't World's strictest parents. No. Do you remember that show? No, I don't. Oh my gosh. So they'd send people from um they'd send really like derelict, like super naughty kids to these really 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 strict homes across the country. Um mm. they had there was a, they had Australian ones as well and they'd send them to like farm countries and then they'd be with these like military families and it's hilarious, honestly, it's really funny. If you ever get a chance, look up um YouTube um World's strictest parents Australia absolutely hilarious because these children just go skits, they yeah it's yeah. funny, it's you got to watch it.
0: I need to <laughs> I need to definitely watch that now because that that sounds like a a ball. <laughs> before we do wrap up though, like where do you see yourself going this year? What's what's your ultimate journey for this?
1: Um, this year I'm just ultimately just healing. Yeah. Um, I mean I'm just. Yeah, as I said before, a lot of damage. Most people went through a lot of things last year and the year before and all this stuff. Just kind of healing and building myself back up to be a solid person so that I can figure out what I'm going to do next, you know. Sometimes uh, you just got to figure out who you are. It sounds so, I feel like such an idiot, like, who you are. (laughs) But if you know what you want to do, if you know then you can tackle anything and that's that's what I've struggled before. Like I moved around heaps so I didn't get to make a solid base in myself and that's what I'm doing here mm. and that's why I want to start um, theatre again, just to start from the beginning and go up. So that's my plan. I love that. Start start again and and just be better.
0: Yeah, I love that. You're the most wholesome person.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I love everything about you. You're so wholesome.
1: Thank you. I'm trying. I'm really trying. No,
0: that's keep trying because you are like it's not trying. You're Thank doing. You. Uh.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Yay. Um,
0: so, yeah, that's great. So, Julia, where can people stalk you on the internet? Where can they where can they Ooh. find you?
1: Well, I have a Instagram is at drink dot and. Over there, I have a link to my Vimeo, so that has my showreel. And I also have my TikTok and all my socials on there as well. If you would like to contact me for any work, because I am an actor, um, yeah, I have my email on my Instagram as well. So there you go. Go,
0: go and stalk her. because Stalk me.
1: I won't give you my address no, <laughs> unless you message me personally. Not write Winkel. you
0: creepy letters in, and deliver.
1: <laughs> unless you're hot.
0: Yeah, in which case, go wild. Um, <laughs> But no, it was an absolute pleasure Ugh. talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank
1: you for having me. It was amazing talking to you too. Finally. I know. Um, worth the wait though. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I hope I get to speak with you again.
0: Absolutely. I will, I will definitely dig out my uh, many messages and we will correspond many a times. <laughs> I'm I'm looking Perfect. forward to it actually. Awesome. On collaborating with you, me too. Because um, yeah, this Yay! has been awesome. Um, if you do want to go and check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. And I will be speaking with another guest next week. And I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye. Bye.